Throughout the week, I share drafts of my homily with the members of our team to get their reactions, to get their corrections, their corrections, and to try and gauge if anyone is going to laugh at any of my jokes. In the header, though, I always include the letters W-I-P, which stands for Work in Progress. Because until the message is preached, it's always a work in progress. And the same thing is true of you. Until you get to heaven, you are always going to be a work in progress. Today is week one of our new message series called Work in Progress. So if you are joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time, you are joining us at a great time because in the coming weeks we are going to explore what it means that you are a work in progress, why that's okay, and what you need to do to keep moving in the right direction. So why are you a work in progress? And why are you never going to be finished until you get to heaven? Quite simply, because each of us have that inherited brokenness called original sin. I think of all the church's doctrines, original sin is the one that's the most apparent. We see its effects on the news and we see its effects in our own lives. For instance, every time you do wrong or every time you struggle to do good, that is a result of original sin. But being broken isn't the end of the story because God the Father in his plan of loving goodness sent his only begotten son so that you might be healed of original sin, that you might become a member of his family and that you might live forever. In baptism, the stain of original sin is washed away and that work took a moment. But growing in discipleship and holiness, well, That is the work of a lifetime. And that's why you are always a work in progress. Jesus did not come from heaven to earth simply to pat you on the head and leave you where you are. Nor does he look at you and say, well, I guess that's just as good as you're gonna get. No, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You are not condemned to your past. You can change and you can grow, no matter your age. The story is told of the famous cellist Pablo Casals, um, why he continued to practice playing the cello at age 90. He's said to have responded, because I think I'm making progress. <laughs> you know, even for our elderly parishioners who are praying with us on the live stream. You are a work in progress. Jesus called the people who followed him and strove to put his teachings into practice his disciples. In the word disciple, we hear discipline, but it also means student, apprentice, someone who is a lifelong learner. And if you search the gospels, you will see that the only people Jesus calls out are those who think they are religious, and say that everyone needs to repent, 
except themselves. So the challenge for you and the challenge for me is to continually choose to follow Jesus again, to get up when we fall, and to strive to put his teachings into practice more and more in our lives. The fancy Greek word for this is eskesis. Eskesis. As an aside, someone told me I shouldn't use foreign language words in the homily because it makes me seem pretentious. And so I responded, moi? (laughs) Ultimately, eskesis means training and going higher and higher. And this involves struggle, not against other people, but against yourself and all the things that pull you down like pride, laziness, love of comfort, never being satisfied, and the list can go on. How do you overcome these things? Well, you never will completely, but that doesn't mean you can give up the struggle. When I was growing up, my favorite hockey player was Ray Bork, number 77, defense for the Bruins. And I had his poster poster in my room, and underneath it, in bold letters, it said, perseverance. The strength to remain steadfast against all odds. And in our gospel today, Jesus gives us a parable about just that, perseverance. In the gospel, there was a dishonest judge and a widow. Now, the widow is an ancient symbol for any defenseless person. But it's the perseverance of the widow that finally wears down this bad judge. And the judge says, Because she keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her. Simply put, the widow persevered. But imagine this. Imagine if the widow gave up bothering the judge just before he got to his breaking point. How sad would that be? In the spiritual life, most of the progress we make is made in darkness. So we can be tempted to give up too soon. That's why no matter what you're facing, you always have to remember that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And very often that light is just beyond the point where you feel like giving up. There was another example of perseverance in the first reading. After Moses had led the people out of Egypt, they get attacked by the Amalekites, the Amalekites. And we read, as long as Moses kept his hands raised up, Israel had the better of the fight. But when he let his hands rest, Amalek had the better of the fight. Like all of us, Moses gets tired. I imagine it takes a lot of effort to keep your arms lift it up like this all day. So what does Moses do to persevere? Well, he sits on a rock, and then he has his friends, Aaron and Hur, hold up his arms. I think there's a profound lesson for us in this, because while you have to walk your own spiritual journey, your path is not a solitary one that you walk alone. In fact, it's when you are alone and when you are isolated that your burdens seem heavier and it's when you're alone and isolated that you're more apt to fall 
into bad habits or sin. When you feel like this experience of togetherness, when you feel appreciated, it's like you can move mountains and think nothing of it. But when you feel alone and when you feel unappreciated, even cleaning some dirty dishes that someone left in the sink is a big deal. When you have friends for support, you can overcome even the most insurmountable obstacles. That's why we push small groups so much because the people who are in small groups are connected, they're known, they're loved, they're supported, they're cared for, and they're even lovingly challenged as they grow in faith and life. When your own strength fails, you need people to lean on, or in Moses' case, you need people to hold up your arms. But obviously, the power for victory in the first reading didn't reside in Moses' ability to keep his arms up. The power for victory resided in God. So in your life, your ability to change and to grow is not something that you could do simply on your own. Rather, it is a response to God's grace stirring in your heart. Human strength is incredible, but it'll only take you so far because you can't white knuckle it your entire life because eventually your grip will lessen and sooner or later your strength will fail. To persevere, you need God's help. And that was the point of Jesus' parable. We read, the necessity for the disciples and for us is to pray always without becoming weary. Prayer is the uplifting of the mind and the heart to God. Prayer proves our trust in God. When you do not pray, you can only fall back on your own strength and grow weary. But when you do pray, You position yourself to persevere and you have the entire force of heaven behind you. So right now, why don't we turn to God in prayer if you wanna bow your head or open your hands. Let us turn to him who hears us. God our Father, we come before you as your children. We know that you've called us to be your disciples and your friends. We ask that you keep us from growing weary, that you might give us strength from our journey. Help us to know that it's okay that we're a work in progress and we are going to be so until we die. And above all else, Lord, give us that perseverance we need right now to face whatever struggles or challenges are before us. And we ask this through Christ our Lord.